Hi, Govanen, Melunin. Hello, friends, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to help explain some things that the movies did not make totally clear. I'm Audrey, the movie master, and I've seen all the extended edition movies and special features infinity times. And I'm Leah, a level 900 nerd wizard who has read all of Tolkien's books, including those of questionable canonicity. First, let's address the elephant in the room. Pandemic bad. And here we are two years later. We rise like the phoenix. (laughs) It only took us two years to molt our, our ugly little phoenix feathers. And we're back. Yeah, we wanted to, um, we had planned to try and record some things remotely. We were both being pretty cautious and not spending time with each other. And then we just decided that's stupid because we do this because we like to hang out with each other. Exactly. So we figured we'd wait <laughs> until the timing felt right. And here we are. And now the time is so right. It's so right. It's never been righter. <laughs> <laughs> we have gone through, uh, both of us, some changes in our personal lives so because uh, that's really what this podcast is about it's about is us, us our us. personal lives this is yeah people tune in to hear <laughs> us complain about our lives um what i'm what i'm saying that for is so that you know our upload schedule is not going to be as intensive or even as regular as it was before um we both have a lot more going on than we did <laughs> mm, your gal's in grad school right now yeah. so we're prioritizing some other things but we're still we're back and we're ready to go just not quite as often as before yeah we'll still be bringing you that <laughs> high octane nerd shit just as often as we are physically able to do so word so when last we left off we were talking about the scene with boromir and aragorn uh gossiping over the shards of narsil mm-hmm. and just after that, Arwen reassuring Aragorn that he doesn't have to be anything like Isildur. Word. After that, what happens, Aj? Um, okay, well, first of all, I literally, as I was just telling you a second ago, I have not um, watched the movies at all <laughs> since um, this last, like, this last section that we watched for the last episode. Yep. Um, in what January of twenty twenty? January of twenty twenty, because I want to keep it fresh. You know, um, I'm not I'm not about watching all of the movies really because I want don't like them. I hate them. <laughs> I really hate them. No, uh, I just want like the when questions come to me to be for them to be fresh. Um, so I went back this morning, watched through it. Uh, now we are at um. Let's see. We had already, I think we had already gone through the transition of the 2000s transition, right? That happened. The what? The 2000s like music video transition. Oh yeah, from Elrond to Frodo. Yes. My favorite movie about American Idol stars (laughs) from Elrond to Frodo. Yes. So we talked about that. Uh, We had left off. Gandalf and Frodo are kind of chit-chatting about what like the plans are for the ring, basically. And um, okay, well, I did make a an initial note. I don't remember exactly where this plays into this right before the council of Elrond, basically, Mm -hmm. but I just thought it was hilarious that, um, Frodo sets down the ring and is just like, finally, my part in this is over. Oh, how little, you know, my special boy, (laughs) deep sigh of relief. Um, you're dumb. Just kidding. We love Frodo. Uh, so then they summon... They, well, Gandalf and Elrond have that like kind of heated conversation. I was there, Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Elrond and Gandalf talk about what happened on the slopes of Orodruin yes. when Isildur refused 
to destroy the mm-hmm. ring. And that's something that in the books, they talk about like during the Council of Elrond, they kind of give a whole chronology of the ring, but for the movie so that it doesn't completely grind everything to a halt. Mm-hmm. They do that right now instead. Okay, so in this heated conversation that Elrond and Gandalf are having, Gandalf is very protective of Frodo. And he doesn't want Frodo, like, he clearly doesn't want Frodo to, like, be at least forced into this position of bearing the ring because he knows it's, like, an enormous responsibility. And, like, I thought it was interesting that first Gandalf says, like, we are going to, like, put our faith in men, which seems really unlike Gandalf. Like, are you dumb? Like, have you seen what men have done over the last 3,000 years? I don't know if that's the best idea. (laughs) Um, And Elrond is just very sternly, like, the ring cannot stay here. We have yep. to do something about this. Yep. So, cue the Council of Elrond and everybody's little entrances. Legolas kind of getting off his horse and just looking around. Boromir also getting off his horse yeah. and looking around. Everyone a little getting suspiciously. Off. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, um, let me see. My first question for this is that it when the ring is revealed during mm-hmm. the council, people seem very like enthralled by it. And it made me realize, like, no one's ever really seen the ring before, right? Yeah. Like, this is, it's all been, like, hearsay to basically everybody except for Elrond and, like, Isildur. Yep, absolutely. And Gollum and Bilbo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friends, yes. Gollum and Bilbo. Uh, yeah, even in Gondor, where, you know, the ring has been before mm-hmm. and where they're closest to Mordor, the normies don't know what happened to the ring. Um, After Elrond tells the story of what happened to it, where in the movie he does that with Gandalf, in the books he does it at the Council of Elrond to everyone who is present. Um, After he tells the story that Isildur cut the ring from Sauron's hand, Boromir says this, So that is what became of the ring. If ever such a tale was told in the south, meaning Gondor, it has long been forgotten. I have heard of the great ring of him that we do not name, but we believed that it perished from the world in the ruin of his first realm. Mm. Isildur took it. That is tidings indeed. So yeah, people just assume that it was destroyed at mm-hmm. that time. They don't know that it's still out and about. Tidings indeed. Like, what does he mean tidings, by that? That's news. Okay, yes, yeah. it's news. Uh, the only people who actually saw Isildur take the ring, uh, rather than make their own conclusions about what might have happened to it, uh, they were cured in the shipwright, the elf with the beard, mm-hmm. and Elrond, who was the one telling the story. So um, I, I, I can't find evidence that even Isildur's family knew about the ring. Really? Yeah. Uh, so anyone else who knows the whereabouts of the ring must have been told by either Círdan or Elrond, or they read about it in Isildur's journal. Okay. Although in the movies, at least, like, Isildur is pretty proudly wearing the ring Yeah. he goes, look at my cool ring. Check out this. Check out my, um, my new fashion. My bling. As far as who's actually seen it, only the people who you know from the movies. So who do you, who, who do you know from the movies who has seen the ring? Bilbo. Nailed it. Gandalf. Totally. Frodo. Sam. Yes. Uh, Pippin and Mary. And uh, the ring's previous misadventure, Bilbo and the dwarves. Oh, so all of the dwarves mm-hmm. who were with, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Bilbo was also very proud of the ring in The Hobbit because it wasn't a horrible evil ring in The Hobbit. It was a fun invisibility <laughs> ring. This is before Tolkien decided the exactly. ring was evil. <laughs> exactly. And he was, he very proudly showed it off um, after their misadventure in, in Goblin Town in the Mines of Moria because he thought it would give him clout with the dwarves who didn't really respect him. He was mm. like, ah, but look at this great ring. Look at what cool things I can do with it. I'm like the ideal thief because I literally can't be seen. Right. Okay. Gotcha. 
So as they are kind of discussing the implications of the ring at Mm -hmm. the council, um, Boromir then, and I think that this may just be in the extended cut, Mm -hmm. but he's like gets up and starts describing, like, a dream that he has yeah, had. Yeah, that is from the extended version. Okay. And it's, I don't remember exactly what he says in this dream, Something but... like a dark shadow in the east, but there, a pale light lingered in the west. Yeah. Wow, you just knew that. That's I amazing. watched this also this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I answered these questions many moons ago, but I wanted to refresh my memory about the movie. Absolutely. So, um, I was wondering if, like, because it sounded like... God, everybody talks in code in these movies. Yeah. It's very poetic. Um, yeah. And what I got from Boromir's little speech is like, basically what he sums up later is, it is a gift. It is like, a gift. Like, oh, I dreamed about this. Seems like a pretty awesome ring and yep. maybe I should have it. Um, so I was kind of wondering if like, do you think that uh, Boromir really had this dream or is this like something that he was kind of making up so that he could make sort of a bold claim to the ring? It's kind of both. Mm-hmm. In in book canon, Boromir does have kind of a prophetic dream like this that essentially tells him to go to Rivendell to get more information. Okay. So it's not, he does not have a dream that says uh, it, the halfling will come forth with the ring or whatever, mm-hmm. like, and you can use it to destroy the foes of Gondor, um, at least in the books. But also in the books, someone else has that dream for two nights running before whoever sent the dream to them decides that maybe Boromir should get it too. Who do you think someone would decide on Boromir after someone else ignored the dream for two nights? I mean, my first thought is the steward. Close. Faramir? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So whoever, you know, the Valar, Iluvatar himself, someone sent an instructive dream to Faramir for two nights and he was just mulling it over. Faramir is not a man of hasty action. Mm-hmm. He considers things before he does them. Um, but then I guess whoever sent the dream got impatient and sent the dream to Boromir as well. Big mistake. <laughs> Can you imagine how different things would have been if Faramir like went to the council yeah? instead? Tell me more of your fanfiction ideas. <laughs> I mean, he's certainly not as corruptible. No, he's he's just... He, he also doesn't have the pressures on him that Boromir does. That's a good point. And I don't, I, you know, not to discount any of Boromir's mistakes. I love the tragedy of his story. But uh, they're just very different characters. And the story would certainly have gone quite differently for both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got a, a little bit of a surprise question for you two right now. Oh, boy. Okay. Just, a, it's just slight. Because um, it occurred to me, like, I'm not really sure, sure how communication, long-distance communication works sure. in um, this universe. How and when did Elrond summon people? Oh, what a good question. Oh, that's an incredible question. Uh, In the movies, he does say, you know, I have summoned you all here Mm -hmm. to the Council of Me or whatever. But in book canon, he doesn't summon anyone. And that is probably the biggest difference between book and movie Council of Elrond. Everyone in the book happens to arrive at Rivendell at this time for their own reasons, which we'll get into when we talk about the differences in this scene. Um, It's either happenstance that they all get there at the same time, or it's like uh, light meddling from Iluvatar. Okay. Um, Like kind of like, hey, like kind of like pushing them in the direction of going to Rivendell, but not making the intent clear. Exactly. And as for your question about how communication works... Boromir has been traveling from Gondor to Rivendell for four months. I was, that's what made me wonder about that, where it's just like, okay, Frodo just got to Rivendell like four days ago. Like, there's no way that all of these people from like 
all over Middle Earth would have yeah. just happened to arrive here so quickly at the yep. same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't. There's no. Um. There's no email on Forge. Yeah. <laughs> on Forge. <laughs> well, I, at first I thought it was going to be like people sending ravens, but then I realized I was confusing Lord That's of the Rings Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. So. <laughs> Not that. Um, Boromir starts to become pretty bold. He do. And he is standing up and trying to make a claim. Basically, he reaches towards the ring and then Gandalf is like, fuck no. <laughs> um, and then everything gets dark and he starts reciting some sort of spell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that's exactly what he said. I'm going to have to mess with the levels on that so much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um... What did I write here? What, what spell did Gandalf recite to make Boromir look at his life and look at his choices? <laughs> or did Gandalf just swear a bunch in black tongue? Well, he's reciting the inscription that's on the inside of the ring. What? But he is doing so in the black speech of Mordor. Okay. Uh, you know, the one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, etc., etc. Okay. And this is a scare tactic to be like... If we don't fucking deal with this right now, you're going to hear this black speech everywhere, all throughout Middle Earth, all the Mm. time, forever. Because Mm -hmm. if we don't deal with it, no one's going to stop Sauron. Yeah. So the the inscription on the inside of the ring is in Tengwar, which is the Elvish script, but it's in the language of Mordor. It would be like if you were writing Russian words using, like, the Roman alphabet. Okay. Um, and what it says is Ashnazg Durbatuluk, Ashnazg Gimbatul, Ashnazg Thrakatuluk, Ash. Fuck. <laughs> so close. Agvorzumishi Krimpatul. And that's what it sounds like in the Black Speech of Mordor. Okay. And it is extremely cool, as always, that it rhymes in the Black Speech and in English. That is really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that was. That's interesting. So it was more just like, let me remind you what's what's at stake versus 100%. like I just cast a spell on you to sit you back the fuck down. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's just like you need to stop thinking about like just Gondor because mm-hmm. this is going to affect all of Middle Earth. Yeah. So this sentiment is also kind of echoed. I noticed I really like this little piece of like filmography of like when everybody starts fighting a little bit later. Yep. And Frodo is looking at the ring and seeing kind of like this is what this is doing to it's all already us. affecting us mm-hmm. because we all want it. We all think we know what's the right thing to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be dead before I see the ring in the hands of a novel. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, there was something that was it Boromir who says like, "What would a ranger know of this matter?" Yes, and that was an irritating line because it's like rangers know a lot. Rangers do know a lot. They, they it's possible things. though that because the rangers are of the north, mm-hmm. their full title is rangers of the north, mm-hmm. and Boromir has never been outside of Gondor in the south. Yeah. So he's just talking shit that he does not understand. Yeah. <laughs> Legolas is also a real bro in this scene where he's just like, um, actually you owe him your you allegiance. are talking to the heir to the throne. Um, but Boromir doesn't like that. No. Um, he says Gondor has no king. Gondor needs no king. Which is a great line. It is a great one. So he, it's, I sense a little bit of, I'm not really sure what that's about. Like I sense a little bit of competition. Like he doesn't like that there's, cause he, he's essentially like next in line. Yeah. Given the fact that like his, the, the steward, stewards are currently ruling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that brings me to my next question is would Boromir be next in succession to rule Gondor? If not for Aragorn's yeah. return. Yeah. 
This question took me 600 million years to answer. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll also, like, go to the, the second part then so we know, like, the full range of what we're answering here. And mm-hmm. if so, does he feel threatened by Aragorn? Yeah. I, um, you know, it's harder to do research on what Boromir is feeling. But <laughs> <laughs> Does he not write down every thought? Tolkien doesn't record every thought and feeling of oh, all of his characters. That's what fan fiction is for. Oh, um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that he... He, he probably does feel threatened by Aragorn. And a little bit like, um, you know, my family and I, my line going back like 26 generations or something, has been ruling Gondor because your family skipped out. Fucked up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, what makes you think that now, after we've been maintaining and caring and ruling in Gondor, what makes you think that now you have the right to come and like... Mm-hmm. supplant us we've basically. been doing fine like Gondor has no king Gondor, Gondor needs, needs no, no king. king we've been doing just fine without you exactly yeah so the, for the question of would Boromir be next in line to the throne of Gondor not like technically because they're not kings mm-hmm. I don't know if they even sit on the throne like they sit next to the throne speaking. the yeah. little chair the little kitty chair <laughs> a little ottoman next to the chair <laughs> like Michael Scott at the foot of the bed yes exactly <laughs> so I'm going to talk so much about the stewards of Gondor. Awesome. So please interrupt me if you have like questions or clarifications or hilarious biting commentary. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, about 2,500 years before Frodo times, there's a king of Gondor named Romendasil, uh, and he creates the office of steward. He chooses a wise man whom he trusts to be his advisor, and later his son chooses his advisor, etc., etc., etc. So Romanisil is the one who creates the office of steward about 2,500 years ago. And like you said, like, a steward's role is to advise the king. Precisely. Okay. Yep. Um, And a little over a thousand years after that, so now we're up to 1,500 years before Frodo times, um, a king named Minardil chose for his steward a man named Hurin and... Uh, for our nerds at home, if you are a super nerd and you're familiar with one of Tolkien's books called The Children of Hurin, this is a different guy. Uh, about 2,000 years later than that other more famous Hurin. So this is a Hurin of Emin Aaron, who is the founder of the House of Stewards, and the other Hurin is different. So don't get it twisted. I've got a question about the timeline here, because you said that it was about 2,500 years before Frodo Times is when the stewards were established. Yes, that's correct. But it was 3,000 years before Frodo times that Isildur died. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and hasn't there, like, not even been a king since Isildur? Or has there? There has been. There has. The, okay. the, 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 the line of kings has been unbroken since then, at this point. So did, is Aragorn the one who kind of... Like, when did that Let me stop? Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Exactly. Um, so this Hurin is the first steward whose name that we know. The other guy created the office, but we don't know who he chose. This is Hurin with his king, Menardil. And at this point, the steward also becomes an inherited title like the king. The king of Gondor always chooses his steward from the house of Hurin. And like Boromir and Faramir and Denethor, they are also descendants of the house of Hurin. Okay. These are so. So the stewards themselves are also like Numenorian. Uh, they're oh, they're Numenorian. I was gonna say they're also like it's like an inherited like yeah. position. Yes, you're absolutely okay. right. Okay. Um, they're they're descended from Numenorian men, but not royal ones. Okay. So they're like distant kin to the ruling line of Gondor. It wouldn't be totally out of the ordinary for Boromir to call Aragorn cousin. Okay. So in the year Third Age, twenty fifty. So now we're 900 years before Frodo times. Mm -hmm. 
Um, before King Aarnor takes up his crown in Gondor, he's a prince, and he is a captain in the Angmar War. Okay. He leads his host east, and he kills tons of orcs, and the witch king of Angmar himself eventually comes out and challenges Aarnor personally. Uh, and Aarnor's horse is so spooked that Aarnor can't regain control of it, and the witch king laughs at him and, you know, calls him a poopy little dork. Um, and for that, for that, for that grievous insult, Aarnor will bear a grudge against the witch king of Angmar, and also for, like, all the evil stuff. I was gonna say, like, you don't need to have a grudge against the witch king to not really <laughs> like what he's about. No, like, I, I, you know, the killing was like, I could live with it, but mm. then he... <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but then he called me a simp, and I can't forgive it. So, um, a sidebar. The elves of Rivendell join the battle against Angmar at this point, and the Witch King flees from the elf Glorfindel at their head. You remember Glorfindel as the elf who brought Frodo across the fort of Bruinen after he had been stabbed by the Morocco Blade. Oh yeah, okay. I remember now I do. I mostly remembered him as the elf with the weird name until you reminded yes. me what he was about. <laughs> So um, the Witch King flees from Glorfindel, and Aarnor wants to pursue him, but Glorfindel convinces him not to. He speaks a prophecy that you will be familiar with. Mm -hmm. Do not pursue him. He will not return to this land. Far off yet is his doom, and not by the hand of man will he fall. Do I know this? The Witch King of Angmar will not be killed by a man. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. I can't wait to get to that later on, oh, too. Gosh. Our girl. So, after Aarnor is crowned king, the Witch King challenges him to single combat and reminds him of how bad he was disgraced by his dumb horse. <laughs> um, and Aarnor is only convinced not to face this horrible evil wraith in single combat by his steward, Mardil Veronwe. However, uh, Aarnor is like an athlete and a champion and he trains in all kinds of weaponry and athleticism. Seven years later, the Witch King challenges Aarnor again, and he won't be talked out of it this time. He leaves his crown on his father's lap in the Houses of the Dead and rides into Minas Morgul to face the Witch King. He is never seen again. Okay. Because Aarnor left no heir, and because no one could be truly certain that he was even dead, a rule of Gondor passed to his steward, Mardil, and this created the hereditary title of ruling steward. Ah, okay. And how long ago again did this 900 happen? years before Frodo times. Okay. And just to clear up, in case you had the question of if Aarnor had no heirs, yeah. what happened to the line of Gondor? Right, yes. Um, Aragorn is descended from a different branch of Aarnor's family line, his third cousin, once removed. Basically, they all still descend from the kings of Gondor. There's just brothers and cousins all involved in the genealogy. One branch of the line died out with Aarnor, but another branch survived through the chieftains of the Dúnedain and then down to the rangers and Aragorn. Okay. So you said the rangers. Um, are the rangers themselves, like, as an order, tied to the throne? Or is this just Aragorn? Both. They're all descended from the kings of Arnor and Gondor. The mm -hmm. rangers are. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they're not ruling for whatever reason. Because they don't feel ready. Because they prefer to be rangers. Yeah. Because <laughs> they thought, you know, the stewards are doing fine. <laughs> so they're also supporting this belief that Boromir has. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right. Gondor needs no king. And it didn't for 26 generations of that, ruling stewards. It's a long ass time. From Mardil Varonway down to Faramir. Before Faramir recovers Aarnor's crown from the Houses of the Dead to bestow upon Aragorn at his coronation. Mm. 
So you asked if Aragorn hadn't come forward, would Boromir rule Gondor? If he had lived, he would have been the next ruling steward after the death of Denethor. Boromir would have. Yes, okay. correct. And as it was, uh, Faramir was ever so briefly a ruling steward before Aragorn took up the crown. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wish they showed that in the movie. I know. <laughs> I wish so much more of Faramir <laughs> had been included. Oh, okay. Oh, I did write down here. Aarnor and Aragorn are distant cousins, technically fourth cousins, something like 18 times removed. That's too many times. <laughs> I can't keep up with that. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks even more for being patient during our hiatus. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can also check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff. My personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N, and Audrey can be found on Instagram at Audrey underscore underscore Lynn L-Y-N. Tune in next time for the answers to questions like, why is Boromir so memeable during the Council of Elrond, and is it truly Frodo's choice to take the ring to Mordor? Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turguskin. May your beard continue to grow.